1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may
0: vary. Not sure if this is the ideal place for this story, but I'll go for it anyway. In the late 90s I went on a yowie hunt with a group of cryptozoologists in the Blue Mountains, just west of Sydney, Australia. The Yowie is the Australian version of Bigfoot, Yeti, etc. I was just an undergrad anthropology student who had stumbled across this group online, ended up corresponding with the organizer, and decided to tag along. I'm a skeptic by nature and kinda wanted to see whether these guys were just crackpots. For anyone who's not been there, it's very mountainous terrain covered in thick bush, just a maze of canyons, ridges, cliffs, creeks, waterfalls, etc. A few of the places we went are only accessibly by foot. Absolutely spectacular though. Anyway, we spent about three days up there, there was a Canadian film crew from the Discovery Channel there as well making a documentary about these crypto guys. I haven't seen the documentary but I'm told my car is in the background of most shots. Anyway, in the time I was up there I saw some weird shit a tree about as thick as my thigh that had been woven between other trees, like Lattice, I still have a photo somewhere. Not broken, just. Woven. A giant footprint in some sand. I wear size 12 boots, Australian sizes, and my foot fit comfortably within it. There was one guy who was kind of hosting the cryptos, claiming he saw the yaoi all the time and had even been leaving food out for it. He claimed that he had set a sound-activated tape recorder under the food bowl one day. The tape contained some footsteps, some rustling, obvious chewing of food, and then more rustling as the covering layers are obviously removed from the recorder, and a massive bang. He claimed he found the food bucket smashed to pieces after this. Pretty well everyone in this guy's road claimed to have seen this thing as well. One lady claimed it even came into her house and stole some baby clothes, baby clothes? What the hell does a yaoi want with baby clothes? The only guy who wouldn't say he'd seen it had just bulldozed a 30 meter perimeter around his house. This is in thick bush turned into scorched earth stuff, put bars on all the ground floor windows and installed, to my count, 22 motion activated floodlights around his house. The place was a fortress. He was right at the end of the road, closest to the bush. Several people told us that the NSW police had just finished a stakeout in the area looking for something after a number of people had phoned in terrified sightings. Always wondered if there is some form of UFOI process I could go through to confirm this. After the first night a tree near where we were staying had been demolished, I mean absolutely smashed. This tree was one of those ones that forks out into a double trunk just above the ground, one half of it was just torn to shreds, and it was a thick tree. Just huge scraps of wood everywhere. It had been okay the day before, the other trunk was untouched. One night out in the mountains, I was walking back to my car a few hundred meters from the campsite by myself, I'm a skeptic remember, nothing to be afraid of, suddenly everything goes quiet. I mean crickets stop-chirping kind of thing. The most irrational terror came over me, I could barely walk and was shaking terribly, I stumbled to my car, got in and got the F out of there. I was supposed to go back to the campsite but every instinct was just screaming at me to get away. Never been that scared. When I told the guy who was hosting us up there, he said he had a similar reaction when he had seen the yaoi and had shit himself in terror big chunks taken out of trees everywhere. Hundreds. The locals called them tree bites, the story is the yaoi listens for grubs under the bark and finding them, bites a huge chunk of wood out to get them. These things were sometimes two to three meters off the ground, and each had two parallel gouges along the edges that could conceivably have been big canine teeth. One night camping on a ridge, in the middle of the night we hear a crash in the bush below us, enough to wake several us then a thump 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 like an elephant running all the while with crashing like a bulldozer was going through the bush in the morning there is this path of destruction just torn through the bush in a straight line small trees broken bushes flattened imagine taking a 1 meter wide bulldozer and just roaring through thick bushland i should say i've heard kangaroos crashing through the bush before and tree kangaroos dropping down from high perches, they kinda just smash through the foliage on their way down, and this was different. Anyway that's my story, make of it what you will. I'm still a skeptic, and I don't believe in yaoi's, but a lot of this stuff still freaks me out even now because I can't find good rational explanations. I've also heard numerous yaoi stories since. My story became creepy after the hike, not so much during. It was a mild December day in New England and my then girlfriend and I decided to do a short evening hike at a local state park. An easy trail up to this old stone tower, structure. We brought a little weed with us and hung out on top for quite a bit until it started to get dark. We smoked a bit, talked, and enjoyed the views. The tower overlooks the trail heading up to it and as we were up there we noticed someone walking up the trail to the tower. It was a man, dressed in black, just casually making his way up. Now me, being a teenager at the time and a little stoned, glanced to see the man coming to the tower and quickly packed up my stash for discretion. We decided to just start our hike back as it was near dark anyways. But as we make our way down each of the three or four levels of the tower, we realize we don't see the man. The stone structure is large but open and with many windows, so I kind of look around curiously just to see who had hiked up. No sign of him. And no sign of him around or on the trail either. You can see a good distance in every direction leaving the tower, certainly enough to see someone a few seconds after they turned around to leave, he had left somehow, it confused me but I was also kind of stoned, so we paid no mind to where he went really and just made our way back to the car. Now where it gets creepy is that few months later, I found out that my experience was not unique. I discovered that there were similar stories about a ghostly legend of the state park. I was really interested in the paranormal at the time, and while researching local ghost stories online I found the story of the man dressed in black. He is sometimes seen near dark walking up to the stone tower, and some claim that if you keep your eyes on him long enough, he'll just disappear. I was flooded with chills when I read about it, and I'm just glad that ghost didn't cross my mind when I saw him. The first incident took place nearly 25 years ago now. I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, went camping with a friend of mine in the southern part of the Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge. This is an isolated area where you can only gain access by boat or four-wheel drive vehicle. We arrived at our destination around 8 pm on a Saturday evening. After setting up camp we decided to do some fishing before it got dark. It would take about 15 minutes to get open water by boat so we left the campsite with four or five other guys who were also spending the night there. One member of our party noticed some tracks on the eastern shore of the river. We quickly got our flashlights and were amazed to see fifteen inch long humanoid-like tracks in the sand. These tracks were only about two feet apart and ran straight down to the water's edge. The ground was soft and sandy so we could very easily make out the shape of these prints. We didn't miss seeing the claw marks or other strange markings that would be associated with the hoax. I myself measured one track at around seventeen inches long and seven inches wide. The depth of these tracks indicated that something very heavy made them and did not notice this approach. There is no way that these were made by a bear, they were too narrow for the front paws and the space between each step was far too large. Our other companions who were all military policemen did not want to stay around very long so we decided to follow the tracks upstream against our gut instinct. After about 30 minutes all of our flashlights died in unison as if some electrical outage happened. We had replaced all the batteries prior to this trip so we couldn't figure out why this happened but it became very dark very quickly and we began hearing strange sounds in the distance kind of like heavy breathing. This went on for hours and since nobody wanted to spend any more time there than necessary we returned back to camp. I've always wondered what made those footprints. I believe this area is heavily populated with Sasquatches and soon after this incident I read an article about an upcoming Sasquatch hunt in this very area. One of the hunters who was interviewed claimed that he had seen 15-inch tracks about one month earlier on the Alligator River. Several other sources also mentioned seeing these huge footprints around the Fort Bragg area. Now the second incident took place almost three years after while attending college at Norfolk State University. My girlfriend and I at the time were working part time for a private security firm. We had to monitor some abandoned buildings that were having issues with break-ins. The first few nights were pretty well but by Saturday night things had got really bad. We both kept hearing these loud screams all night beyond in the woods sounding like someone mixed a lion a goat and a wolf all in one like a hybrid of some sort. It terrified us worse it seemed to be coming from all directions. There was no way to track the sound it would seem like it was coming from the north then all of a sudden the southeast this went on for roughly three hours we could hear there were multiples of them whatever they were but they weren't any normal animals i'd ever heard of my life we've known other military servicemen who've also had some pretty bone chilling experiences with these creatures in the area it seems like this is a common occurrence here in the south I know for a fact that something is awry out here in these woods. Sometimes even my own rifle don't make me feel safe. I'm a seasonal hunter. But for years, I dedicated my life to the study of predators and their intricate relationships with their ecosystems. My days were filled with observations, data collection, and a burning curiosity that drove me to understand the delicate balance of nature. One sunny morning, as the forest awakened around me, I found myself deep within the woods. The rustling leaves and distant calls of birds were familiar companions, but this day held something entirely new. As I quietly maneuvered through the undergrowth, my heart raced with anticipation. It was in these moments that the forest revealed its secrets to me. And then, I saw it, an enigmatic figure crouching amidst the shadows. The creature defied comprehension, its form a grotesque blend of humanity and death. Long, emaciated arms hung limply against its bony frame, its chest protruding with an eeriness that hinted at the presence of death itself. Its skin, a sickly shade of white with undertones of gray, bore an uncanny resemblance to the pallor of malnutrition. The most unsettling aspect was its head, a human head, but distorted by starvation and agony. It was as if a dying human had been fused with the essence of the forest, becoming something entirely otherworldly. Yet, what I mistook for white fur initially was nothing more than the creature's own skin stretched tautly over its bony features. Its eyes, though, held me in their eerie gaze. They were disproportionately small compared to its head, yet they shone with an intensity that was impossible to ignore. The light of the sun seemed to be captured within those eyes, reflecting back at me like beacons of otherworldly luminescence. In that moment, I felt a chill run down my spine, as if I were staring into the depths of some ancient, forbidden knowledge. As a scientist, my instinct was to remain hidden and observe, to document this encounter as I had countless others. My heart pounded in my chest as I positioned myself behind a tree, my pulse in sync with the rhythm of the forest. The creature moved with an eerie grace, its movements almost unnatural in their fluidity. For a while, it roamed the clearing, its presence commanding a silence that was both awe-inspiring and terrifying. And then, without warning, it emitted a screech that pierced the air like a banshee's wail. My breath caught in my throat as the creature vanished into the depths of the woods, leaving behind an aura of mystery that clung to the air. I remained hidden for a long while, grappling with what I had just witnessed. My mind raced, attempting to categorize this creature within the confines of my knowledge. But there was nothing, no data, no precedent, no explanation that could account for its existence. As I returned to civilization and shared my encounter with others, I was met with skepticism and disbelief. How could I, a scientist, expect anyone to accept such a fantastical tale? But I stood my ground, asserting that the unknown remains a part of our world, waiting to be discovered. This is a true story, one that has challenged my understanding of nature and the boundaries of scientific knowledge. I am a wildlife biologist, a seeker of truth in the wild, and I can attest that even in our modern age, mysteries remain hidden in the heart of the untamed world. So I hope you guys don't mind this is going to be a relatively long post so just bear with me. I'm not sure exactly if this is just maybe a strange coincidence or if maybe it's something more than that. Maybe just maybe I'm dealing with something of the paranormal, I'll let you decide. Let me first give you just a little bit of background about me. I go by the name of Dennis, obviously not my real name, but for the sake of this story that's what you can call me. I'm from a pretty small town surrounded by lots of woods and the national park that I work at, well I guess I'll just keep that under wraps for now. This occurred at roughly about 3 in the morning, I was on my ATV and I began to hear strange animal sounds now that's really strange for me because i'm pretty well versed in the animals that i know i've heard it all mountain lions bear wild dogs you name it but the sound that i was hearing did not match up with anything that i'm used to hearing so that was a number one red flag and then the second red flag is i began to hear heavy rapid breathing like if something was drowning the kind of sound but it was much deeper much more guttural like it had this raspy quality to it, as if whatever voice it was was not only large but it smoked about 3 packs of cigarettes a day for the last 10 years. So as I'm sitting there listening to this, I think I should pull up my phone and start to record the noise. Well, I do this and the breathing noise stops, just everything abruptly stops, not only the breathing noises, but even all the crickets around me just cease and everything's quiet. Now I'm beginning to get a little unnerved and I start to feel like I'm no longer safe, like something is watching me but I'm not exactly sure what. So I kind of thoroughly check my surroundings, make sure I have all my equipment with me because God only knows what this could have been. And that's when I start to speculate that I'm probably not dealing with a regular everyday animal, this might be something else. I hate to go into the hole it's paranormal but I don't know, I've never dealt with these sorts of emotions and feelings from any sort of regular animal, at least none that I've ever encountered. I began feeling very uncomfortable, I figured it would just be best to get in my ATV and go ahead and get going, I'm still really clueless as to what animal this could have been. Hiking alone around midnight in the woods I'm going through a clearing and to my right around a football throwing distance away I see at least 5 pairs of eyes about my height staring at me. I froze and just stared not being able to make out any shapes with my headlamp on a low enough setting so it was only bright enough to make their eyes glow. They were stepping around a little and the grass rustling made me think it was a group of hikers hanging out in the dark for some reason. This all happened fast in the span of like 5 to 10 seconds. All of a sudden they started bouncing toward me fast raising high up and down, higher than my head. As they crossed my path I flashed my headlamp at them and saw it was a family of deer leaping through the grass to get away from me. Even then it was a little scary because I could feel the air on my face as they rushed close by. I got a good one. I was looking for worms on a stormy night on my well-lit street for fishing the next day. Worms love the rain and were filling the streets. I wasn't finding anything worthwhile so I headed home. I knew a spot in my backyard that always had good-sized worms. I walked into my dark backyard with my dying headlamp and began to look around. I couldn't hear a thing due to the patter on my raincoat. I felt the shiver like I normally do when I'm being watched. Wasn't the first time, my headlamp had a setting that would burst light for a few moments then diminish back to a very low setting when the batteries were low. I looked around and saw a set of yellow eyes staring at me from the brush about 20 yards away. My stomach dropped and I immediately drew my combat knife. I live in Colorado and knew that first they weren't the blue eyes that deer put off and second they were higher of the ground than a normal cat would stalking at. I tapped my light and saw a fully grown adult mountain lion watching me. Then, my light dimmed down back to its low light setting, while the cat looked away and I lost complete sight of it. I covered my throat with my arm with a shovel in it and slowly backed up to the stairs of my house while scanning every inch that my poorly lit headlamp could cover. I made it inside with my heart pounding. I believed that if I wouldn't have had that feeling, I wouldn't be here today. My back was completely turned to the cat and it could have been on my neck in a matter of seconds, killing me. If you are ever in the Rockies, scan at night and if you know you are being stalked, face the cat cover your neck, and back up to friends or a safe location. For every one cat you see, at least 10 have seen, stalked you. I've had this story on my mind for a long, long time. I've always been a fan of the supernatural and cryptid scene, but never had any standout experiences myself. I've lived in the Northern Midwest my whole life, and have come to appreciate the local lore that comes with. This is the story about my first real cryptid experience. It's a long one, but I hope you enjoy. In my late teens, I worked at a camp for a few summers. The camp was massive, with only about one-fifth of it being equipped for hospitality, dining hall, cabins, shower houses, etc., and the rest being wilderness. The land had six lakes on it all connected by small rivers. What made this camp particularly eerie, however, was it was actually built around a Potawatomi burial ground. I won't get into the legends around the burial mounds, but overall, this place checked all the boxes for a B-list horror movie. Now, my job at camp was sort of a catch-all. I was a program director, lifeguard, cook, gift shop manager, basically if they needed a roll filled I was the one doing it. It kept me busy, and I had many long days. I would close the gift shop at about 7 each night, then head upstairs to the kitchen. I could walk back to my cabin, if I wanted, but the cook hated the dark. Baby face crying hated the dark. So I'd help him with dishes and cutting fruit for breakfast and then walk him to his cabin I have one rule though. No flashlights. You can't see very well in the woods if your eyes are focused on a small beam of light. I hated the idea of people or animals sneaking up on us. So every night, in the moonlight, I would walk him to his cabin, then walk the public road to mine. My ulterior motive for taking the public road was, well, I'm a smoker, and we have to be good role models for the kids. No smoking in camp, but they can't tell you what to do on public property. My cabin was right on the edge of the hospitable portion of the land. Miles of marshlands and forests sat behind my cabin and, fortunately or unfortunately, I had the cabin to myself. But the weird thing was that every night I would be smoking and walking the public road, and I would hear screaming in the woods. It sounded like a woman was being murdered. I brushed it off the first night. There's a public access lake. People get rowdy. Sound carries could be a prank, or a fox, or an owl. It's the woods. But it kept happening, every night, as soon as I stepped onto that road. I decided not to let it bother me. I had to be up early every day. No sense in chasing noise in the dark. I would get to my cabin, spread some tobacco for the land, and sleep soundly every night. Well, the end of summer came around. It was always bittersweet. You eat three meals a day with the same people for three months, they start to grow on you. One goodbye tradition we kept up over the years was on the final new moon of the camp season. The ranger would take the staff for a spirit walk. It was always good fun, he'd share the legends of the land with the new staff and try to shake them up. We would hike through the back of the camp, around the marshes and lakes, and see what kind of spooky things we would stir up. We all met at the only street light on the public road that night, but that year the ranger had his rifle slung over his shoulder. We ran into a cougar the year before, and two wolves lived in the back property, so I didn't think much of it. The rules are simple. No flashlights. No jingling keys. No running. If you run, we might not find you. They were half to scare people, half true. The woods were thick and the marshes were dangerous. Everything was going smoothly till we reached a river crossing not too far from the public road. It takes you to a clearing, just before the trail reconnects with the road behind my cabin. The moment we crossed the bridge, the woods went dead silent. You could hear yourself breathing. That, my friends, is one of the scariest things that can happen to you in the woods. Silence. And then, just like every night before a blood-curdling scream ripped across the clearing. One of the new staff was about to take off before myself and another grabbed his arms. That's the screaming I've been hearing, I told my boss. That's the screaming I hear every night, the ranger shushed everyone. The scream came again, louder this time. The ranger whistled in the direction of the noise. It whistled back. Suddenly, the screaming surrounded us. Behind us, to the right, to the left. The group closed in, shoulder to shoulder, not daring to even breathe. The ranger, ever serious and calm, said barely over a whisper, we're turning around. Take the bridge back to the trail. We're going the long way, so, in hurried steps, we made our way back to the streetlight that we met under without muttering a word. Once we were in light again, I could tell that the ranger was actually shaken up. This is the same man that was charged by a cougar in the dark and brushed it off. I need a cigarette. You haven't smoked in like two years. I need a cigarette, I wasn't about to argue with the man holding a rifle, so I obliged. After a few drags, he muttered I don't want to scare anyone, but I know only one creature that can mimic human voices like that. It's a wendigo, I said, not even thinking. I was in shock. All summer I walked that road, and this thing was out there. Screaming. Trying to lure me in. That's when he said that, yes, he thought the same. He first thought it was one of the neighboring property owners looking for their dog, calling out for them, so he whistled. Then, he explained the gun. All spring, he was finding deer strewn around the property. Not unusual, being the woods and all. But there were so many, and so brutally taken down. He said these things looked like they had been hit by cars. In the middle of the woods. Absolutely mangled. More bizarrely, no other animals would touch them. No tracks that said bear, or wolf, or cougar. He was worried, with something bringing big game down like that, so he brought his rifle. No one said much after that my boss got sage from her cabin and gave everyone who asked for one a blessing. We were shaken. After that, I changed cabins. I didn't own much in general at the time, so I wasn't troubled in the least to get off the public road. Didn't even care that I had to row out in the middle of the lake to have a cigarette. I wasn't stepping foot on that road, and I'm a little sorry to say I never stepped foot back on that property. Call me superstitious or lily-livered, but I couldn't bring myself to go back into those woods. Not even if you paid me. Was camping in the mountains, in British Columbia, Canada, and myself, friends and my dog had spent the day 4x4ing and decided to come back as it was getting dark fast. Truck breaks down and we decided we better walk back to camp. We were only about 2 kilometers away where we broke down. It was around 11 pm at this point so very dark and no one had a real flashlight so we just walked with the moonlight. My dog was super on edge and was growling a lot and smelling around, he's a hound so smelling is pretty normal so I did not think much of it. But after a while he was really growling and was looking around rapidly and barking behind us, to the side of us, in front of us and going nuts. My friend turned her phone light on to just look up ahead and it was a cougar just standing in front of us on the trail. My dog went full howling at this point and was trying to run at it, he was on a leash, and the cougar took off. We were all terrified for the walk back. It made no noise the whole time we walk, only reason we knew was because of the dog. I messaged on here a bit back for a story idea involving cryptids, and I thought it might be fun to discuss some encounters that happened to me, and my family, as a child which involved the presence of unknown animals and were quite scary to me at the time. For context, I grew up on a farm in the middle of a very rural, hilly area, eastern Kentucky, and my house was surrounded by woods. We owned several acres ourselves but around us the farmers owned hundreds of acres, raising cows and tobacco, and as kids my brother, my sister, and I were allowed to run around, hike, and explore as we liked. Coming from country folk, we were familiar with animals, dangers of the environment, we lived by a major river and the hills we lived in were as steep and tall as some mountains, and we were taught to carry weapons at an early age to protect ourselves, my brother carried a 22 at 10, And I always carried a hard cane or machete, though after several of the incidents I'll describe, I began to carry a gun as well. Very old school. Anyway, my brother and I were introverts who loved to take solitary walks, and there was one holler behind our house that was particularly beautiful. It was fully wooded, had a nice creek, and there were rock walls and piles of stones that had once been a small house and outbuildings but had long collapsed. you walked all the way to the back of the holler where the house once stood, you found a large round area with a circular pound and a large tree that split into two trees and stood right in the middle of the water, which was fed by a small spring. There was also a small waterfall and a very large, old tree with a hole in it halfway up the trunk big enough for a grown man to sit in. Super magical to a kid. We were always lured to this place and would sneak to the very back as often as we could even though our parents always told us to leave the old stone buildings alone. But once we got back there, there would come a point where we would suddenly feel very, very scared and would have to leave. This only began to happen when we were teenagers when we were younger everything was fine, which is why it is so strange. Our dogs would often go with us back into the holler, but they liked to chase animals and would often run off and leave us. Things would only start to feel strange and scary once they were gone and we were alone. Once it happened when a dog was with me though, and I'm going to tell you about it. I'll also tell you what animal or cripit I think was causing it. My brother was the first to start reporting that the holler was scary. He was older and would venture alone before me, he liked to hunt too. He said that he started to feel like he was being watched, and he even began to feel like he was being followed when he there. Leaves stayed on the ground in that holler year-round and he swore to my dad that he was being followed because he would stop walking, but the leaves behind him would keep crunching for a few moments, as if something else were walking along and stopped a few moments after him. The trees are quite dense and he says he could never see anything, but he would shout aggressively, let off a gunshot, and even run back the way he came to see if he could flush anything out. He never saw anything specific, but he thought he heard other sounds like low gross sometimes. He also noticed that the forest would go quiet, which is always a bad sign. Then an incident happened where my brother was walking at the very bottom of the holler and playing around in the creek and a large stone boulder came rolling out of nowhere right at him. Like I said, the hills there are steep and landslides aren't uncommon, but this was just one boulder among an otherwise still forest. He immediately came home and told our dad. And our dad told him to stay out of that holler in case it was a weird person back there being creepy. Drug deal.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: had just started to move into the area at this time and we had been having trouble with occasional robbery attempts. You would think that this would scare me away from the holler as well, right? Up to this point. I had not walked alone in it I'd always gone with my brother, but when he started to refusing to going back there, I started going alone. I absolutely loved the woods and spent a lot of time in them. I had a big imagination and loved to play pretend even as a teenager. This holler was very pretty and very cool in the summer, and the creek was really good for swimming because it was limestone and clear. The pond was gorgeous, like something out of a fantasy novel. I read a lot of novels and I honestly saw myself as an elfin princess or brave explorer whenever I ventured off. I was also very sheltered I honestly had no idea how dangerous it could be and really thought the world was like a book. When I was at the back of our farm, I could see the creek and the holler opening with its tall trees and butterflies buzzing about and I always just wanted to go play, or even just stand or sit somewhere in the trees. It was just a very pretty quiet place and I like to pretend I live there. Until the creepy things began happening to me. I would be playing along I had an mp3 player and would listen to music, dance, climb trees, play in the water, or just walk around looking at things and taking pictures. I still have a lot of the pictures I took on my first phone, read books, and suddenly. It would happen. I would realize that the woods were completely quiet. I would look around and start to feel very uneasy, like I was being watched. It was always after the dogs had gotten bored and ventured off. I would become very conscious and realize that I wanted to leave, but for some reason, I was always too scared to just walk away. I always felt, very very strongly, that if I kept my back turned, something would creep up on me. I was so scared that I would walk on the stones in the middle of the creek. To make it more difficult for something to run straight at me, and I would walk backwards, looking all around me except for brief moments to glance at where I was walking. I'm telling you, I felt like I was in a blinking contest that, if lost, meant my death and I kept my eyes on the side of the creek that always made me feel danger, the side where the pond and house ruins lay. Halfway back to my house a stone cellar was built into the hillside. When I was little it had a door, but when I was older it was just a dark open doorway and it used to scare me very badly during these times. I always felt like it was a portal to somewhere evil. I never felt safe until I had walked all the way to the hill my house sat on, climbed it, still staring backwards, climbed the fence into our fields, and made it into our barn. At that point, I would absolutely sprint back to our house. I never told my dad or family about it because my brother was told not to go back there and I knew I would get in trouble if I said I had. My family was an old school, whip for punishment family and I never wanted to risk it. Afterwards, I would always swear to myself that I was never going back there, ever. I would think about bears or cougars, which occasionally passed through the area, and how I would have died and probably not ever been found if one had charged and eaten me. We ran a farm and occasionally dumped bodies of dead animals over this hillside for the predators to eat. I knew how fast a body could disappear in woods where coyotes lived. But still, after a few weeks or maybe a month, the encounter would fade from my mind and when I would see the holler opening, I was always tempted to climb down the hill and visit the creek. I always told myself I would not walk to the back, but the bad, scary feeling was never there at first, and I always ended up walking a little farther, and a little farther, until I was at the back. Then it would all happen again. After the first two times, I started carrying a gun, and eventually I was actually attacked by something. I had one of our dogs with us a red heeler, hound named Ginger. She was the best dog that ever lived. Extremely maternal, she took care of all baby animals and my parents always joked that she helped raise us kids. She was the alpha of our farm, very protective, dominant, and aggressive of creatures that were not her family. While she chased rabbits on walks when she was young, she tended to stick with humans as she got older. She was probably around 12 years old at this time, and she decided to stay right with me while I took a short walk back in the cursed holler. When I got scared, I turned back like usual, but this time I felt less cautious because Ginger was with me. I reasoned that my dog would know if anything was really wrong and that she would alert me. Because of this, when I reached the hill that my house was on, I decided to walk up it without looking backwards like I normally did. I was attacked halfway up. I don't know by what, exactly. I honestly did not get a good look. I know that it was completely silent and that it was almost on me before either Ginger or I knew it. All I remember is hearing a noise in the grass seeing Ginger turn and charge with fur raised, and something large and dark behind me when I turned. Like I said, Ginger is a very aggressive, protective dog. Whatever the creature was, she was snarling and on it by the time I turned to see it. The minute they collided, the creature began snarling in the most horrible, loud voice I have ever heard. It was not inhuman I've heard animals snarl and it sounded like an animal but it was incredibly loud it made me flinch and fall down. Ginger was snarling too, which made it all a lot worse sounding, but sounded like she was fighting some sort of cat. Anyway, Ginger and this creature, snarling and fighting, start rolling down the hill, which was steep and had some drop-offs, and in seconds they were out of sight. I was sitting on the ground and could hear them fighting, but I was absolutely terrified and just sat there for a moment, not know what to do. When I did get up and I am very ashamed to say this now I ran straight home. I did not run down over the hillside to help Ginger. I was absolutely terrified, and even though I had a gun, I knew I could not shoot whatever it was without hitting Ginger. In my 15-year-old mind, the best thing to do was run to the house and get my dad, who could figure anything out, and all I prayed was that Ginger stayed alive long enough for us to get her. So I ran the rest of the way up the hill completely jumped the fence, ran straight to the house, screaming at the top of my lungs, and got my dad. He rushed over the hillside with me, with a much bigger rifle in hand, and we looked for Ginger. We could not find her anywhere, but I described what happened to my dad, and my brother who joined us, and we searched the holler for her, up and down. He found scruff marks and fur on the hillside, but otherwise found no trace. No signs, no sounds, no blood, other than a small amount on the hillside. Eventually evening fell and we called it a day and went home. We were all heartbroken, and I felt horribly guilty, because I knew that I had gotten our dog killed, my family didn't blame me and my dad said I did the right thing. Except that. Ginger came back. A little while after we were done looking and had returned to the house, my dad went onto the front porch and there she was. She was scratched and her fur was all messed up and there was some blood, but she was okay and made a full recovery. And I never, ever went back into the holler again, and I will probably never go into the woods alone again. I still have no idea what the creature was that attacked, but I have three theories. The first two not cryptid they are coyote or bobcat. Though usually pretty shy, when it is denning season both animals can be aggressive and attack. It is possible that one had an active den in the holler and that the creepy watching and the attack were brought on by a territorial animal protecting its young. However, the creature seemed very dark in color to me, it followed me up a hillside into my house, and my real guess is a black panther. Like the UK, there are stories in Kentucky of large black cats living in the area. A farmer once claimed to have found one in a cistern and it made the newspaper when I was a kid my dad saw it and says it was a real panther, and many of the old farmers who live in the area, who are very rational and knowledgeable about their land, claim that they have seen black cats and even shot at them. Fish and wildlife took the creature and then said it was a large dog, but everyone in my area says it was definitely a cat. And people farmed enough and were close enough to know when a strange dog was running around the area. I've also had one other scary experience where a friend of mine left me alone in a hay field after seeing a large black creature walk through the tall grass behind me. This was close to the holler I talked about above. Panthers are a Kentucky cryptid. What are your ideas, though? What other cryptid could have acted like this? so to start off i live right next to a boardwalk so sometimes during the summer i run walk the length and back to my place which is about two miles one day at around 6 a.m i saw a single person lying on the beach i thought nothing of it there were surfers always arriving this early to catch the early waves and not pay the beach entrance so after my run walk i shower and go back to bed for four more hours or so Well when I wake up I put on my TV and on one of the local news channels I saw that a person was found dead on the beach bare this block and that street. I realized instantly that it was the person I saw on earlier. The person was found by a person running with his dog on the beach, thinking it was a drunk he walked up to her and when she wasn't moving and her face blue, he called paramedics, dead at the scene. I know it isn't what your question asked, but I just wanted to say what I saw and could have experienced if I was in the position of that guy running on the beach. (coughs) Me and my family went to our local mountain to look at the massive amount of snow it had gotten in the past few days from Arizona so snow is rare. We were walking down the trail when all of a sudden our dog stopped and started to growl down the path. Now this dog scares himself awake with his own fart so he is easily scared off, but not this time. He just looked down the trail and was growling. We tried to get him to keep walking forward but he wouldn't walk forward and was being dragged as we tried to keep going. We stopped and tried to pet him and make him feel better but he wouldn't even look at us, just whatever was behind us in the trees. He was smelling or seeing something that he didn't like and when me and my father tried to go down the path alone, he would start barking at us as if he was so scared for us and was panicking that we were getting closer to whatever he didn't like. We stopped and just went back down the trail back to our cars. We told everyone that was coming down the trail what we heard and most of them blew us off, but some just turned around with us and walked someplace else. I am happy we never found what he was so scared of. I am sure it was a bear or maybe a mountain lion, but it could have been anything. My experience took place in April of 1995. I was 25 years old going to college in Yakima, Washington. I've been up there for about a year and a half. I love hunting and fishing so going from Phoenix to Yakima was a huge rush during the summer. I was completely infatuated with Bigfoot. So every time my neighbor and I would go out to the North Fork my mother, with whom I was staying while I was in school, would tease me and say are you going out to find your beast? I would jokingly reply yep, this is the weekend I succeed. If I only knew just how much I would regret making that statement. My friend and I arrived out in the woods at about 6.30 in the early evening. We drove up the old forestry road until we found a large area that was level and large enough where we could park his 1965 Ford two-wheel drive truck. We set up camp for the night we cooked some brats over the fire. After dinner, we sat on the tailgate watching the fire and just talking until about 11 PM. It didn't take long for us to both fall asleep, being all ready for the morning hunt. At around 3.30 AM I woke up to dead silence. It was so quiet that I figured there must be a black bear or a cougar really close by it didn't take but a minute for me to realize that it was way too quiet for even a predator to be close. I couldn't even hear the creak anymore. I reached over and shook my friend's leg to wake him up. He rolled over and asked what my problem was and I said, do you hear that? And he snapped back. I don't hear anything. Go to sleep, I said exactly. It's too quiet. He turned over and sat up and listened for a moment. Then he gave me a weird look. That's what I'm trying to tell you I whispered. Then, coming from the trees, you could hear footsteps. I said, do you hear that? My friend whispered, must be a bear, I said, bears don't walk on two legs unless they're threatened or going after food above their heads. That's too big to be any black bear around here or anywhere else for that matter. The gravel on the road sounded like it was almost being crushed under its feet as it walks. Then we smelled it. It was like a garbage dump mixed with the odor of death. We sat there quietly as we walked around the truck. Then the footsteps stopped on the driver's side of the truck bed. We hear the sound of cloth being torn above us. I looked up and there were fingers, human fingers, but about four times bigger than mine. It was tearing back the cloth. When it stopped pulling back the cloth, a good eight inches in all, I could see two glowing yellow eyes looking down through the hole at me. That was the exact moment that I really screwed the pooch. Without thinking, and still trying to tell myself it's just a stupid black bear, I reached over and in one smooth swing, I grabbed the closest fishing rod and followed through with the most power I could muster. I hit it right across the bridge of its nose. Well, I broke that rod in half and sent it stumbling backward. At that point, it let out a scream, roar that shook everything inside the back of that truck. I could feel the vibration of my body as if I were standing next to an explosion. It was so loud that my ears were ringing. My friend really did mess himself. Then we heard two fast hard steps and it felt like a semi-truck just smashed into the driver's side of his truck. Then. As if it were just a Tonka truck, the driver's side was lifted off the ground and the truck was sliding towards the edge of the shoulder. I suddenly got this overpowering feeling of sadness and I realized more than the pain of being hit in the face with a one and a half inch round piece of wood. I started yelling at it, I'm sorry. I'm so very sorry. But you scared the out of us. Then the truck stopped sliding. At that moment it dropped the truck back down on all four tires. Then I said, look, we just came up here to bag a few squirrels. Then we're going to leave. I promised we would leave as soon as the sun came up. It then let out what almost sounded like a whimper, which for it is still pretty loud and we heard it walk off back across the road. Within a couple of minutes, all the forest sounds came back. Needless to say, we did not poke our nose out from under that cloth until the morning. We gathered enough courage, and come out of the truck after the sun was up. We saw that it had pushed the truck a good three feet toward the edge. You could clearly see the bent metal on the fender and running board which it grabbed with its hands. Since that encounter, my friend still won't talk about it. In early February 2017, something really unusual took place. I was in the local Target store in a Philadelphia suburb shopping with my daughter. As we walked down the aisle on our way to the electronics department, I noticed a young woman ahead of us, about 20 years old or so. Absolutely nothing remarkable at first glance. She was thin, had long dark brown hair, a t-shirt, sweatpants, and sneakers. It appeared that she was biting her nails because her hand was next to her mouth. As we got closer in passing, there was something weird about her gait. Her stride seemed to be long and exaggerated. She was a little over 5 feet in height, so it just looked odd. As we got closer, what it appeared to be nail-biting was actually her biting her fingers, to the point where there was blood visible. As my friend passed her, the woman turned and looked at her as she went by. Her eyes were jet black. She then gazed at me staring me down as to intimidate me. It was like nothing I had ever experienced. A thought came to my brain, I'm not scared of you. I know what you are. My daughter says I was staring her down like she was staring at me. I walked by, ignored her, and stoically kept going. As we continued, my daughter stopped and bent down to fix her shoelaces. When she did so, she glanced back at the black-eyed woman walking away from us. She told me when this woman then turned to look at us, her head turned in fast motion, completely around. It frightened my daughter so bad that she begged us to leave the store. I now feel as though this was an evil being. The negative energy was palpable, very intense, and frightening. I never really believed in this black-eyed people phenomenon, but I now know that they exist. I am confident that they are demonic and take on the form of humans. I was working on some electrical lines on one of the poles out by the substation on Old Highway 80 near Buckeye, Arizona on June 15, 2017. It was about 4.30 pm and I was wrapping up my work and putting my tools away when I noticed a large object fly overhead, casting a shadow as it passed overhead and come down in the field across the street from where I was. The object was cigar-shaped and gunmetal gray and had to be at least 60 feet in length and was almost silent apart from a whoosh sound that could be heard as it approached the ground. I was in a good position to observe it land as I was up in a bucket truck working on the overhead wires at the time that I noticed it. The object came to a stop and from the position I was in, it looked like the object did not come to rest on the ground itself, but looked like it was floating a couple of feet from the ground. The object was on the ground for about 3 minutes doing nothing when something resembling a hatch opened about 10 feet from what was the nose of the craft. After about a minute of the hatch being opened, I witnessed what looked like two small children get out of the craft. Now please remember, I am about 40 to 50 yards from this object, across the street and I was 35 feet off the ground in a bucket truck. But from my vantage point, I could see these two children walking down the ramp toward the field in front of them. They were about four feet tall and skinny, I mean emaciated skinny, like the pictures of the starving children in Africa that you see on television commercials. They had big heads, it looked impossible for them to hold up with those frail bodies they had. They both wore what looked like dark blue one-piece uniforms that went down to their ankles and long sleeve down to their wrists. The first one that came through the hatch walked down the ramp and waited for the second one to join them on the ground. They both walked over to the fields in front of them. They seemed to be interested in the crops that were growing and it looked like they were taking samples. I slowly raised the bucket higher up to try to get a better view of what they were doing. They apparently did not notice me as they kept about their business. I observed them for about 6 minutes as they went about their business of walking through the field. After about six minutes, a tan-colored SUV came down the road and they must have seen the large object on the ground because it came to a screeching halt and threw the truck into reverse trying to see the object. The commotion must have alerted the beings as they looked up and that is when they must have also seen me. They both immediately ran toward the craft at an ungodly speed. Faster than anything I have ever seen move and they went through the hatch which immediately shut behind them leaving no trace that there had ever been a hatch right there, just smooth metal. The object then lifted into the air, causing a cloud of dust to rise as it flew up and hovered there for about 10 seconds before flying off to the west faster than any plane I have ever seen fly. I stood there looking in the direction that the object flew off until the gentleman who had been driving the SUV called up to me and asked me if I had seen that thing too. I shouted out that I did as I made my way down to the truck. After getting off the truck, I spoke with the man for about 10 minutes as we were both just in awe of what we saw. I have seen many things out in the desert as I would work, but this is the very first time I have seen a UFO, much less the beings that fly them. I told my wife that evening and she looked at me like I had lost my mind and said I might have been mistaken and seen a helicopter landing and maybe some soldiers getting out of it. But I know what I saw and decided to write you about it. This happened back in the mid to late 1970s in my hometown in southwestern Pennsylvania. I was about 10 years old or so at the time. It was a warm summer day, and my mother was taking my brother, who was about two or three at the time, and me into town to do some shopping. I was sitting in the front passenger seat, and my brother was in a car seat in the back. We had the windows down in the car, as did most cars because AC, at the time, was a rather expensive option. We were sitting at a red light in the center of town when a car pulled up in the lane next to us. As I recall, It was an upscale type car for the time, along the lines of a Lincoln Mercury. As we were waiting for the light to change, I remember looking over to the car next to us. That car had its windows down as well and had a sunroof, which was also an expensive option at the time, that was open as well, so I had a clear view into that car augmented with the light from the sunroof. Anyway, I just happened to look over into this car that pulled up next to us. What I saw was a woman that was driving the car and appeared perfectly normal to me. She had a child with her, who was in the back but was leaning over the back of the front seat nuzzling the woman that was driving, like a pet or small child would, and the woman was stroking the child's face. The child appeared to be about 3 or 4 years old, dressed in age-appropriate clothing, except that the child's face, head did not look normal. What I observed was something that looked what I now know as reptilian. The face and head were shaped differently than a normal human child's head. I remember that the skin appeared to be a light green color and some sort of a small comb structure that ran from the front or back of the head down the middle of the scalp. Thinking back, it reminds me of the drawings, photos I've seen of reptilians, only child-sized. I didn't look for very long because I was kinda freaked out by what I was seeing and I didn't want to stare for fear of being caught. My mother never saw what I did as she was concentrating on the traffic light. I almost said something, but then the light changed and the car accelerated ahead of us and we never got close to it again. As I said, the whole thing really freaked me out. I spent days afterward trying to rationalize what I saw and the best I could come up with at the time was that the child had to have been wearing some sort of a Halloween mask or something. But in the middle of summer? Anyway, I never said anything about this to anyone because, well, who would believe me? Having picked up paranormal research as a hobby several years ago and knowing the reptilians have the ability to appear as something else to humans. I now believe that what I saw that day was possibly a reptilian juvenile and mother only the juvenile had not quite developed the ability to mask itself to humans like the mother could because she appeared perfectly normal to me. I had pretty much forgotten about this until I read that posting today and I have no other explanation for what I saw back then. My name is not important. I'm now a 64-year-old woman, but this happened to me when I was almost 17. I was born and raised in the country. Mom stayed at home and dad worked in the oil fields. We lived in northern Oklahoma near the Kansas line. I had a younger sister who was a girly girl, but I was a tomboy through and through. I was the son my dad never had. He couldn't keep me inside the house. I spent my days on my horse riding many miles each day. It was my heaven on earth. Many times I'd take an after dark ride looking at the stars and enjoying the solitude. This particular evening I decided last minute to grab my horse and take off, probably to get away from my sister or some other teenager angst at the time. It wasn't unusual for me you just grab a blanket only, no saddle, and a halter with the head rope fashioned into the reins and take off. I always had to put a bit in my horse's mouth. Off I went in a tank top, pair of cutoff jeans, low-top converse tennis shoes, and normal summer attire. I had several dogs following along and maybe a barn cat or two for a way before they would head back to the barn. It was dark, but maybe half a moon and hardly a cloud in the sky, and down in the low 80s after a high 90-degree day. I headed out on my favorite six-mile route that took me into the pastures where a small creek snaked through the sand hills. All along the creek were large trees and bushes taking advantage of the wet areas. I had my horse in a slow rocking trot with her head down half asleep, dogs panting along beside us and me with my head tilted back watching an unusually active night of falling stars. All of a sudden my horse threw up her head and did one of those dead-in-their-track stops that leave you up around their ears. I noticed her ears were straight up and staring at something. She did a quick back step or two and was shivering as if she was cold. I glanced down at my dogs and they too were looking intently off toward the creek. That's when I looked back between my horse's ears right where she was staring and I saw a movement as I watched a large hair-covered animal walking upright came into view about 40 feet away. I couldn't breathe. I was so scared I knew I was seeing something that didn't exist. It stopped in an opening between the trees and squared up to me staring intently in my direction. It was huge with large shoulders and long arms almost to its knees in the moonlight. I could see its hair was on the thin side as I could see dark skin on it in several places. It stood swaying slowly back and forth looking at me. It lifted its head as if smelling me and stared at me blinking its large eyes slowly. I thought it was a gorilla, cross with a caveman. About that time one of the smaller dogs growled at the sight and my horse did one of those nervous snorts they do. The creature turned its body back towards the creek and in just a step or two looked back at me and was gone out of sight. I sat there with tears running down my cheeks finally taking a few deep breaths. I turned my horse the three miles or so back towards home and off we went as fast as we could go followed by a couple dogs and passing a couple who had already headed back that way. We hit the barn door and I slid up my horse and collapsed, my legs weak with fear. I closed the doors and locked them, ran to the other end of the barn, slid the big doors shut, and suited the bar to keep them from moving. I sat there frozen with fear. Being a teenage girl that loved her horse more than I can explain in words, I was determined to keep her safe. I worried that the creature would come to get her or one of the dogs, so I sat in the barn the rest of the night. At daylight, I noticed the blanket I used to ride bareback was nowhere to be found. I had lost it somewhere along the creek. I didn't say anything to my parents, probably out of fear they would not let me ride alone anymore or not believe me and laugh at my story. I slept in the barn every night for weeks and feared that thing was coming to harm my animals. Every little noise would send my heart beating into overdrive my 410 gauge shotgun was loaded and ready to protect my horse and dogs. One day, with the sun shining bright, I headed towards the creek area. We were all nervous the closer we got to the spot where I had seen this creature. I spotted my blanket where I'd nearly fallen off my horse. I quietly slipped off of her, threw the blanket on her back, grabbed a handful of mane, and jumped back on. A few steps at a time we neared the creek until we were in the spot we had seen the creature. Since this was sand hills there were no tracks only large depressed areas in the sand. The dogs are sniffing each area all the while shivering like they were ready to cut and run at a moment's notice. At that time I'd seen a branch that was near the creature's head when I've seen it and it was only a couple inches above its head while I stared at it. I rode my horse to the branch and it was at least 6 inches above my head while sitting on a horse. It was 15 hands high and I'm 5 foot 8 inches. I have no idea how tall it was but it was enormous. After a few weeks, I stopped sleeping in the barn. I would often check on her several times a night. I kept that up for several years until she passed away, taking a piece of my heart with her. This has haunted me for the rest of my life and not a day goes by that I don't think of it and what I saw that night. I've hunted and fished all of my life but I'm never at ease in the woods. I know what's out there. I feel like I have knowledge of something that other folks don't. I've married and divorced and had a couple children who I have never allowed to be out of my sight for any extended time. Unlike me, they never jumped on a horse and left for hours just riding to wherever their hearts desired. A couple of times while hunting I've felt a wave of fear and nausea come over me that I hot-footed back to my vehicle with it all in my head or was I sensing something there. Anyway, it was a life-changing experience that has haunted me to this day. People find me hard to get close to and I have no patience with stupidity. I now live in a city. But in the evening I can close my eyes and feel my horse underneath me with the smells of the woods and go back to a time before I knew that monsters are real. I'll take this to my grave wondering what that was and why I had to see it and live it and live with the knowledge that they do exist.